0: Lord, and welcome to Russ Podcast today. I'm your host, Kirk Space. Are you saved today? Do you have a born-again Christian experience that you want to share on the show? Are you religious? Are you questioning the Bible or even God's existence? If so, I want to have a conversation with you. You can reach out to me at podcast at proton.me. That's podcast at proton.me. I'm also on the social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, you could find me over there, send me a message, you know, just get a hold of me and we'll chat. And no, like I said on Saturday, guys, uh, being that there aren't any Christians today that want to share their testimony anymore for whatever reason, uh, just come on and argue with me. I mean, tell me why women don't belong in the pulpit, which you guys are attacking me about online, or tell me why alcohol is okay. I'm I'm giving you an open door to come on and talk doctrine or talk about whatever you want to talk about, and, and I'm an open book. So... Get a hold of me, let's have a fun conversation, let's get people saved, you know, it'll be a good time. So today, guys, finally, I brought this up Saturday with Adam, Uh, I got Pastor Mike Chory on with me today, and you guys know, like me and him, we've become close friends over the past couple years. Uh, He pastors a church up in Grand Island, New York called Cross River Tabernacle. And me and the guys have been going up there probably uh, since 2021. Yeah, because I got saved in 2020. And then we found his church in 2021. And we've been going ever since. You know, every time uh SBN holds a meeting up there, you know, we go up there and, and we've me and Pastor Mike have gotten pretty close and we uh we're like two chatty women. We talk on the phone every day because the world's ending, you know, and so uh today. Now, I've been on his show, uh, The Last Trump and Cross-Eyed Radio, uh, a couple times. I had the pleasure of being on with him. And I get to return the favor today. And this this subject now, you guys know this is a dual-purpose show. Um, I do testimonies, and I'm also here to expose and confront some of the, the nonsense that's going on in the church today. So, Pastor Mike... Uh, wrote a new book now he has uh, a couple books out but this new one out is called The Great Deception A Fallen Nation and a Weeping Prophet and this is a game changer this uh, you know I'm not I don't want to I don't want to share too much I'm going to let him get into it but uh, the state of the world today this book needs to be in the hands of every single Christian and every single pastor it's that crucial and I'm going to give a disclaimer up front, uh, we're gonna come out here with the unpopular opinion today, and that's just the nature of the beast. So, with that out of the way, Pastor Mike, how you doing today, brother? Oh, Kurt, I'm
1: doing really good. It's great to be with you, and uh, I'm thankful for you uh, hosting this podcast and everything that the Lord's doing through you. It's a it's a blessing to be with
0: you. Yeah, Amen, brother. You know, it's uh, it's a good time, and you know. It's crazy. I've been mulling this idea over for uh, a long time, and I finally took the plunge. And it's amazing—I've uh, only started this since right after Donnie Swaggert was in in November—it's amazing what uh, the Lord is revealing to me in the world and in the Church as I try to do this uh, podcast. Because it's just—I mean, we know that things are bad, you know, the way it is, but now— jumping into the nitty-gritty and trying to actually talk to Christians and and see what's going on. It's just like a ball of worms in here, man.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot going on in the Church, a lot going on outside the Church, and uh, we've got to be vigilant uh, to preach the truth and pray for the lost, pray for those that are in the Church that are a part of the great deception. And, of course, only the Word of God can really uh, give a person the the revelation that will set them free so uh that's what really brings me and you together we're we're like-minded because we we study the word and jesus has opened up the message of the cross to us so i'm so thankful for our friendship and uh i'm thankful for your discernment and your willingness to expose you know like you said the craziness and all that's going on that's that's just not biblical
0: right yeah amen and um you know The Great Deception, before we jump into what that actually is, uh, you got a couple other books out. Um, You got uh, A Mighty River, Cross-Eyed, The Last Trump, Uh, anybody listening, if they wanted to get a hold of any of your books or or, um, check out your ministry or or any of that, where's the best place that people can find your work, Mike?
1: Well, they can just go to our website at joshuarevolution.org, and uh, also um we have uh cross river tabernacle we have our services live uh over facebook so but the best way to get the books would be to go to joshuarevolution.org and they'll go to our website and they can order them right
0: online there amen all right guys well you heard it there um and i suggest you get all of them and you know i'm lucky enough or blessed enough that the job i have uh driving a truck uh, i spent a lot of time behind the wheel and Uh, Me and the guys, we took the time to turn all of Pastor Mike's books into audiobooks. So I literally banged out his whole library within uh, a week. You know, I just—I consume content like it's just going out of style. And I definitely suggest you guys get his books. Uh, So, all right, Pastor Mike, the uh, story—I want you to go into how this book came into fruition— and this this happened during covid right the lord spoke to you about doing this book
1: yeah it was really during the chaos of of, of being you know the the country was shut down uh the churches were, were were told that they couldn't have any more than 10 people in a service and you know people started sending me videos and texting me and with all the conspiracy theories of what the government was doing Uh, to try to take away our freedoms. And, you know, a lot of videos came my way, Kurt. And and really, after looking at so much information, I was just probably like the average American. I was just confused. Like, where, who's telling the truth? What is a lie? What are we supposed to do? You know, you had all the stuff on the vaccine that was coming out. Don't take the the vaccine, you know, it's going to change your DNA. And it was just so much to take in. And, as a pastor who's leading a congregation, like I, I cannot, I can't live with conspiracies. I got to know the truth and I got to present that truth to the people that God's given us. And so I just prayed and I said, Lord, I'm so confused. I I need to, to know the truth and I need to present that truth to our, to our church and beyond our church, to our radio audience. And the Lord spoke to me and it was very clear just read the book of Jeremiah, and you will not be confused anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I started to study that ancient prophet, and during the time of um, when God was getting ready to judge Israel, that we're going back now 2,600 years ago approximately, about 586 B.C., and Israel was about to be judged by God, and God raised up this uh, weeping prophet, as we call him, Jeremiah, and Jeremiah was, was crying out to his nation to return to the ancient path, wherein is the good way and walk therein, and, go, you know, turn away from the false idols and the abominations and, you know, not honoring God's commandments or statutes or not keeping the Sabbath. I mean, there was a whole list of things that Israel was guilty of. And because they would not listen to the prophet Jeremiah, he was sending the sword. He was sending the pestilence. He was, you know, sending judgment upon that land. And I started to read that book and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit started to connect the dots that, oh my goodness, we are repeating history and it's right here in the Bible. If we would see what happened to Israel and repent that we don't go down that same pathway, we could avoid the coming judgment, but so many today are deceived, and they are not repenting, unfortunately. But thank God for the remnant, there is a small remnant that really is walking in the truth.
0: Yeah, amen, and uh, <clears throat> you're right, it is, it is a very small remnant, and we're really going to dive into this here, because, you know, everybody has heard—I well, mean, Christian or not, everybody's heard the term, uh, the Great Deception. And, you know, the Bible talks about in the last days how, you know, even the elect will be deceived, and, you know, it's—unless those days are shortened, you know. So everybody kind of has their own idea of what they think the great deception is. And, you know, I'm guilty of this this also, because, you know, as you said, during COVID, it was just— chaos it was utter chaos and nobody knew what to believe and you know me coming from a conspiracy theory background i automatically off right off the cuff like i don't trust anything i don't trust what anybody tells me especially our government and you know for the longest time i thought that the great deception was going to be um you know kind of how the right side the 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 extreme right side, you know, the fringe right, about how this uh, cabal, this global cabal and global elite are going to, you know, deceive the nation, and they're going to fake the second coming in Christ through technology, and they're going to use aliens as the excuse for the rapture and all this stuff, and and the whole nation is deceived, you know, in our government, and, you know, there's there might be bits and pieces to that, true, but when I, you you sent me a copy of your book early, before it even hit the um, the market. And when I started reading this, Mike, it like like what you, the Holy Spirit, jumped out at me and said, "This is the problem that's facing this country." And it it just it it flew off the page like like the top of my head blew off, and it just made it click. And and what. So I want you to say, basically, in a nutshell, what is the Great Deception?
1: Well, I mean, any time that we uh, get away from the Word of God, you're going to be a part of a, a deceiving spirit. You know, there are three spirits in the world that we have to discern. One is uh, the spirit of man, the other one, the second one is the the spirit of the the demonic world, the Satan uh, who comes as an angel of light, the Bible says to deceive. And then there's the Holy Spirit. And so with any teaching or or anything that's presented as truth, you have to have the discernment. Is this of man? Is this an idea of man? Is this uh, a demonic deception? Or is this the Holy Spirit? And so one of the nine gifts of the the spirit is the discerning of spirits. And he will give you a check in your spirit when you hear something like, ah, that doesn't sound right to me. But you're going to have to know the word of God, study the word of God. Um, You know, if someone's presenting truth to you and you don't have they don't have chapter and verse for it, you know, I got to flush it. Now there is there is truth in the world that man has that is not diabolical. Uh, You know, (laughs) two plus two is four. We get that, right? Yep. Um, You know, but here's the thing: there are things that are lies that are presented as truth, and if you buy those, if you believe those, it could cost you your soul. So the Word of God is the compass. It is the, it is, how can I say this? It is the map, the spiritual map that leads me into all truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So for everyone that listens to this podcast, if you spend more time on the Internet than you do in the Word of God, you are going to be deceived. Amen because that's what the internet is. The internet is, you know, the very word internet means um, an interconnection of networks. And those networks, many of them, if not most of them, are not biblical. So the most important place to find your truth is not on a particular channel or or website, it's the Word of God. And once you know the Word of God, and you know it uh, like you know, you know your own name, you're not going to be duped. You're going to be able to spot the counterfeit. But let me help the novelist, the novice tonight that maybe doesn't. You're you're a new Christian, and you're just starting to read the Bible. The key way to spot false doctrine is what is the object of faith. And when the object of faith is not Jesus Christ and Him crucified, you better beware. And unfortunately, Kirk, as we talk about, most of the preaching today over television, the internet, is man-centered. Right. And it tickles our ears, and we like it. We want to talk about our journey, our prosperity, our destiny, how God's going to bless us. But when you start to talk like Jeremiah talked, to the nation of Israel, that God was about ready to judge the nation for their abominations, for their filthy behavior, their filthy language, that most, most people don't want to hear that. But those that really want to know truth, and they know this is biblical, they'll listen.
0: Amen. You're right. And, you know, I was—I uh, fell victim to this also, because it was reading your book that, that really made it pop out. And, you know, what your book really does is it lays out, biblically, you know, line for line, how America today is, without question, Israel of old. We're in the exact same yeah. position. And, yeah, and let—oh, go
1: ahead, go. I'm sorry. And, you know, when, interrupt
0: you. when you— uh when you see that, you start to think, like, all right, well, maybe we had it wrong. I mean, what are the chances of that? And, you know, I'm, I'm guilty. You know, I, I voted for Trump both times. And I thought the same way the rest of the country thought and thinks today, that this guy is going to be the best for our nation, the best for our wallets, the best for our bank accounts, for the economy. Uh, this, that, and the other. And I kind of took the, the position that, well, uh, we what other choice do we have? And, you know, he's, he's the best option. You know, regardless of his stance on the Bible or any position, you know, a spiritual position, um, but then when you really laid out the Caiaphas prophecy, it just, everything sunk right into place. And it just, it's its crazy, man. <laughs>
1: well, when, when you talk about what is the Great Deception, um, it's on multiple levels, right?
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: we have a political deception. We have uh, a church that is following demon spirit doctrines. Um, we listed in the Great Deception book 10 different movements that have happened over the last 40 years in the church and that are all not biblical. And so the nation of Israel in Jeremiah's time was being led by false teachers and false uh, false prophets who like, would copy even Jeremiah's style when Jeremiah was the one that said, thus saith the Lord. So the false prophets started saying that, thus saith the Lord. But God said, I have not spoken to these men. They speak from their own heart. And God was going to judge the nation because of following doctrines of demons, following wrong uh, messages that are coming from prophets who were so-called, I should say, prophets who were after people's money. Mm -hmm. Their heart was wrong. They were greedy. Uh, Isaiah called them greedy dogs uh, that will not bark. They didn't want to warn the people like Jeremiah did because they knew if they warned them that judgment was coming, that was not a popular message. And they would be, you know, they would be ostracized. They'd be set aside because man likes to hear only good things. Right. But we are not in the ministry to please man, we're not in the ministry to change the message. Whatever God gives the preacher of the gospel, He's got to preach it, regardless of who likes it, regardless of who is going to uh, compliment him. I mean, the message of the cross. Let's be honest; it's a revolutionary message that puts self on the altar and crucifies self, and now lives your life to please God. An audience of one, please Jesus. You know, He freely gave us salvation. He freely got up on that cross and died for us. And the Bible said there's no greater love than this, than one who will give his life or for his friends. And so now will you, will I do the same and, and surrender our life to following the one who died to give us eternal life? And what, you know, Kirk, what me and you have found and so many probably listening, the greatest life, the greatest life by far is the crucified life because when you crucify the flesh, and and that's a daily thing, by the way, it's not a one time every day, you got to do that. The peace of the Holy Spirit, the joy of the Holy Spirit comes into your life and and life just becomes so much more significant. But the great deception today is there is this this, um, perversion in the church. I mean, we could talk about so many different things on this podcast from reformist theology, to seeker-sensitive, um, to the purpose-driven life, to, to the extremes of Pentecostalism. I mean, it's just unbelievable what it's the endless. church has fallen for. Yep. And it's time to repent and come back to the simplicity of the gospel. And let me just let all the listeners know, so because there's so many that you say the gospel, they don't even know what that is. They, the best they can come up with is it's the good news but the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the reason that's the good news is because the bad news is we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And only through what Christ did at Calvary and through his resurrection can we be born again and can we be set free from the vices and bondages of sin that are so coming against the church today, Uh, the temptation, To to go towards sin is greater than it's ever been in our lifetime. We need preachers. We need believers to come back to the cross at this late hour.
0: Yeah, I mean it's in everybody's pocket. You know they got a they got a um, a sin device right there, and you know on the internet and everybody's you know swiping all day long, and it's just you're right. Like the desire to sin and the temptation is uh, so great, and you know. You're right, with all these different um, denominations and, and you know, false teachings and false prophets out there, like, the United States lines up perfectly with what Israel was doing. And you also have—because Israel was um, sacrificing their children to Moloch, you know? Right. And if you take abortion now in the United States— that's the same thing. And, and we're at 65 million abortions since Roe v. Wade. So, you know, your book lays that out, how you start comparing how the United States is compared to what Israel was like, and you start to say, all right, well, we're due to be judged. And a lot of people now today would say, well, um, you know, we're under the age of grace. So, We can get away with it, and God's not going to judge this country until after the rapture. What do you say about that?
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, first and foremost, you know, you got to deal with Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts. That's New Testament, and God God took their life for lying to the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, Then when you go to the messages in Revelation 2 and 3, all seven messages, I think, outside of one— there is a rebuke and a warning that if that church does not repent, um, God is going to to judge. I mean, he said right from um, the church at Ephesus that, that he said, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the church, to him who overcomes, will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So if God's saying the Christian has to overcome uh, till the end, that means you can lose your way. Right. You, you, there is the possibility that you will not overcome and you'll turn back to sin. And, and, and the question is, how do I overcome? Well, the book of Revelation tells us we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony and not, lo- and, and not loving this life. But willing to give up this life for Christ, that's how you overcome so kirk it, it doesn't matter if I'm in the Old Testament or I'm in the New Testament, God still judges sin that's not repented of and and though he's long suffering and merciful and not willing that any should perish but all come to repentance, there is a judgment day and and for the believer don't even uh we, we have to remember that there's a chastisement right. for sin yep. So no, uh, God has not changed what and what He said to Israel. I am convinced He is saying to America right now. The question is, are we listening?
0: Right, and that's and that's what I'm getting at here because you know people say you know we're not going to be judged, we're under the age of grace, you know, so on and so forth, but. When you start to to look at all these things that America has been doing, taking God out of schools, taking God—God's out of the church even today. You know, sad to say. But yes. God is still judging because you can take the 2020 election as a judgment. And, you know, I was reading your book, seeing that, like, we're just like Israel of old. Well, now this election went through, and, and what happened? The, the, the country went— Right down. Like, our borders shot. Everything is just getting nuts. It's absolutely nuts. And people would say, well, that's because uh, the global elite stole our election, or because Joe Biden did this, or or yada, yada, yada. And it was stolen, it was stolen, it was stolen. And Mike, how many times have you and I talked about this? Why are people ignoring the Bible in regards to the fact that that God is the one who puts kings and priests in their position. So obviously, if Joe Biden is our president, and even if it was stolen, well, why? Because God allowed it. So if God allowed it, it's obviously some kind of judgment. So that should open everybody's eyes to say, all right, well, God allowed this for a reason. Well, that reason is because we need to repent. You know, and when you when you really lay out that Caiaphas prophecy that America has the wrong focus, everybody's more concerned about uh, themselves and their well-being and the country's well-being. It's not about Christ anymore or death to self. And I think that's what God's trying to get our attention on right now.
1: Well, when you look at the, the seven churches in Revelation, the last church is the Laodicean church and theologians believe that message to laodicea is the message to the last church age before the lord comes back and he said you know i wish that you were uh hot or cold but because you are lukewarm i'm going to spit you out of my mouth and what did he say of that church that church said they believed they were rich and in need of nothing right and that's the prosperity message that has been going forth from America that has infected uh, nations across the world. I mean, I've heard of pastors from America, and I won't name them right now. uh, But I could. Pentecostal ministers famous that go over into Africa, and charge Africans who have very little money in villages, and they charge them the same amount of honorarium, which you shouldn't even charge an honorarium. Anybody that preaches for an honorarium shouldn't, in my opinion, shouldn't be preaching. And 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 you're gonna go over there and you're gonna charge these poor countries to bring you in because you're a prosperity preacher. And it's, it's about the money. Uh, you know, when we go over to Mexico or wherever we go, we're not asking for anything from that country. We're gonna go in there, we're gonna raise our money as missionaries. We're gonna go over there and we're going to pay for everything. If they give us an offering, that's a blessing, but we're not looking for it. And most of the times that offering, most of it's gonna stay right in that country. But Kirk, there is just, it's just, if you look at the music industry, you gotta pay 60, 70, $80 to go worship the Lord in, in a, uh, an arena somewhere, Paul said, "I preach the gospel without charge." Right. This this gospel we can't offer it to the world at a price. Now it costs to get the gospel to the world, and that's where the church comes in through free will offerings to to help send the gospel around the world. But it's it's ludicrous that we've got to go and spend 60, and I'm talking $60, $70 per person. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine bringing my whole family, what it costs to come in for a couple hours and worship the Lord? This is what, when you say it's nuts what's going on, yeah, that's that's nuts right there. Yeah, but this... it's, it's become money-making.
0: Right. <clears throat> yeah, it's Terrible. about the money. And you know, like we talked earlier about, uh, you know, those musicians and, <laughs> What about, like you said, like, what if I want to bring my whole family? Like, now I'm out a couple hundred bucks, and I think, well, what about uh, the poor, broke, homeless guy, you know, who's walking down the street and hears this lovely music coming out of this facility? And the spirit moves on him, and he tries to get in, and they say, nope, sorry, sir, you need a $60 ticket. And then that guy's like, well, I don't have any money. And they say, well, sorry, we can't let you in. And he walks on down the street and maybe gets hit by a car and goes to hell. Well... You just, that guy lost an opportunity because the gospel was behind a paywall.
1: Right. Right. And, and you know what? Shame on the Christians for paying it. Amen. We're, we're fee- you yeah, know, these musicians wouldn't do it if they, if, if it didn't work. Right. And, you know, years ago, I'm going back now, back to, you know, 2000, I had just come into youth ministry uh, for about about 10 years or more. But it was still, I was still just a young youth evangelist, and I was working in uh, an event for two cities, Los Angeles, California and Washington, D.C. And these two youth events were going to draw 30,000 young people from across the country. They were um, at that time the biggest uh, youth event, multi multi-denomination or non-denominational in the country. And I had the opportunity to become friends with the director of the whole two events. And I was in his city in Denver, Colorado. He had brought me in and we were going to dinner one night and we were driving in the car and I kind of noticed, you know, like on his radio, there was no Christian music. He was listening to secular music. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, why, you You know, and I didn't want to judge him. I just said, I asked him, I said to him, Jeff, I said, who's your favorite musical artists that you like to listen to now this is the guy that booked all of the major groups in america and i could name the most popular ones back you know 20 some years ago and his answer shocked me kirk he said i don't listen to christian music Uh (laughs) and i'm thinking wait a minute you are the you are the the pro you are the director the national director of the two biggest youth events in the country of christian events booking all these major artists what do you mean and all i said to him is jeff i don't what do you mean he said why don't you listen to christian music he says because i know too much i said what does that mean he said they're all in it for the money Mm. he said there's only two christian artists that i listen to that are not in it for the money and he named those two wow and I don't know today where those two are. I know one's still singing, but think about that. Think about that's over 20 years ago. And he said, they're all in it for the money. And he could only listen to two of, of all so many that he had booked to come into Washington DC or LA. And it's gotten worse since then. I, in fact, I, and I won't, again, unless you, unless you ask me, Kirk, but I mean, there's a, a particular singer that has a great song out, great, several worship songs. And we run an, an annual youth and family conference out of Erie, Pennsylvania. And we called to see, you know, about booking her for the event. Take a guess what it cost to bring her in for one concert. Because mm. they wanted $100,000. Come on. Her. Yeah. And I, we just said, thank you. Uh, we're not interested. Goodbye. I mean, it's just sick what they're doing out there. But here's the thing Christians are paying for it. Right. So they're feeding the problem. And we have to get back to what really matters is preaching the gospel and giving the gospel without charge. And let the church let the church come together and let the church give free will offerings to pay for these events. And then we can go into these stadiums or arenas. And, you know, there's a few that still do that, but they're very they're they're very few in number. But let people like you said, coming by the street person, just walk in to be able to hear the gospel. Um, we have to repent. There, there's a big problem. Yeah. In the American church right now, it's called the love of money.
0: Right. It's <laughs> wow, hundred thousand dollars to bring. You know, doesn't it? It makes me sick. And you know, Mike, like I've only been a Christian in March. It'll be four years. Like I'm, I'm still a new believer. You know, but I was blessed enough to come in on the right message and the right teaching from yeah. the get go. Praise God. And what I see, as you know. Just before, even before, I was just telling my aunt Lynn uh, when she came on for her interview when, when I was growing up and people said they were Christian, I thought they were Christians. And then when I got born again and started seeing things, I thought well, I think maybe two uh, percent of the people I knew calling themselves Christians are actually Christians because it, it seems to me like today it's just uh, it's just a title. They, they throw out there you know because they believe in God. You know, and that was one of the reasons I started this show because I don't think there's a lot of people that even know what born again means anymore, and it's it's just insane. And I'm gonna—I don't know if I told you about this, but Adam came on uh, the show Saturday, and him and I, I I pulled a bunch of content from the internet, from Instagram and Facebook, of Christian music, uh, some false prophets, and you know, just some some content that's labeled Christian and I played it for Adam and he knew nothing he never seen them before and I wanted to get his first genuine reaction and like there was this girl uh that was being interviewed she was an OnlyFans model and she was wearing a cross and the guy asking her he said um are you a Christian and she says yeah I believe in God he said do you wear your cross all the time she said yeah I never take it off He said, well, do you wear that cross when you're doing pornography for OnlyFans? She said, well, yeah, I always wear it. And he said, do you think God wants you doing pornography? And she said, well, I'm not hurting anybody. You know, I do it safe. And he said, well, that's not what I asked. Do you you think God wants you to? Do you think God approves of you doing porn? And she said, well, yeah, because God said he loves everybody. And the guy says, well, let, let me ask you this what do you think satan wants you to do about pornography and she said "Mm, i guess stop doing pornography and the guy said wait wait so you think satan wants you to stop doing pornography and god wants you to keep doing pornography and she giggled and said yeah that's what i believe this is america today it's unbelievable it's unbelievable
1: it's shocking but what you have when we talk about the great deception uh you know it's it's calling that which is good evil and that which is evil good
0: yeah um, Isaiah.
1: a man or a woman will never a young person will never have the discernment of knowing right from wrong until they know the word of god right. and and so and then but what you have people today who come on these podcasts or have radio shows or write books and they don't know the bible uh they might know a little bit of the bible but they don't really have the holy spirit uh they're not filled with the spirit and they're giving out these these books and these messages that are twisted their perversion of the gospel and and that's really what paul was dealing with in the book of galatians kirk he was he was telling them that if anyone be it I or even an angel from heaven, come preaching to you another gospel. Yep. Let him be accursed. And that word means anathema, cut off from the faith. There's only one gospel message. And it is the message of the cross. And today, um, it's being perverted. And and there's so many ways of doing that through the internet, uh, and through these various uh, outlets, but Thank God for the remnant that is still standing for truth. And, you know, I, I believe that um, there is a holy remnant that will not bow their knees to Baal. And we meet them all the time. They're a part of SBN, Jimmy Swaggart's broadcast, Sunlight Broadcasting Network, you know, meeting you and, and, and Adam and others. And when you meet them, it's like instant fellowship, instant yep. brotherhood because the truth is what sets us free. And um, you know what? Until that trumpet sounds, we're going to keep broadcasting the truth, because it set me free a long time ago. If I didn't know uh, the Word of God, if I didn't know Jesus, I would be just like the world. I'd be lost and deceived. So we've got to keep going.
0: Right, and it's, you know, uh, sadly, uh, we are way outnumbered. Uh, and it's we're very small you know people like you and i uh we're we're very uncommon in you know the average world and you're right you know there are there are uh people true believers through SBN and you know all the cross affiliated churches across the country and i think genuinely that they're the ones that are delaying the judgment coming on this country because ultimately we don't know what happens to the united states uh, it's not in Bible prophecy. And we know, and I've heard you say it, and I've said it, and I believe it from the bottom of my heart that if God does not judge this country soon, he'll have to apologize for Sodom and Gomorrah because we're way worse right now. And now we're coming into an election year, and we know who the front runner is, right? Trump. And we know what happened last time, and now I want to get your take on this. You have all these prophets coming out of the woodwork again, saying uh, Trump is going to, you know, he's our savior. He's the the knight in shining armor. He's going to, you know, this, he's that. He's, you know, he's what this country needs. And John Rosenstern was one of the very few people that I've heard say it first publicly that the reason we have Joe Biden right now is because of Donald Trump's decision with the Abraham Accords and how that affected Israel, and he lost the election uh, because of that. And this is a judgment on the United States because of that. So I want to know your take on on where we're headed into election 2024 and these prophets that are claiming—because (laughs) this— Again, everybody's got the wrong focus. They're worried about their bank accounts, their wallets, their, you know, the betterment of themselves. So everybody wants Trump in. So where do you where do you stand on all this?
1: Well, you know, first of all, going back to what you said earlier um, about, you know, the election supposedly being stolen. um, You know, I do not believe it was stolen. Um, I don't believe that because there's never been any evidence that has proven to any judge or jury or anyone in this country that was it was legitimately stolen however there are many christians that believe that it was right um they ignore the attorney general who worked under donald trump william barr who came out and said there was no credible evidence to prove that the election was stolen and when he came out with that you know it was basically end of his job, Trump was going to fire him, and he ended up resigning uh, after Trump basically told him to get out. And but here's the thing: that ar- argument put aside, was it stolen? Was it not? Is not the issue. The issue is the word of God, and this is what you were referring to. And I'm gonna, I want to read this out of Daniel chapter two, verse uh, verse twenty one, and it says, "And he speaking of God." changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them who know understanding. So let's be clear. It is God that puts kings in place, and it's God who takes them out. So we have to ask the question, why did God allow Donald Trump to be taken out, right? God is sovereign. And that's what this verse is saying. God is, the, the devil's not in control of the world. The world is deceived by Satan. The Bible tells us that. It even calls Satan the God of this world, meaning he's the deceptive deception of this world, but he, he is not sovereign. We see this in the life of Job, where, God, where Satan had to ask permission to go after Job. So nowhere in the Bible, do we find Satan having sovereignty? If he did, he would have killed you already. Right. He, he, wants, he would want to kill everyone. He would annihilate Christians and Jews right away. No, he can't kill us because he's not sovereign. It has to be caused or allowed by God. And so my point on the election here is a question rather than a statement. Why did God allow Donald Trump to be removed as the president? in the last election. And I believe that that there's there's multiple reasons. But the one thing that I want to say to everyone that's listening to this broadcast, I don't care, even if Donald Trump was a good moral man, and was following the Bible, and he was spirit filled, he still would not be the answer to the problems of America. right? And when I read that one verse in Jeremiah, when Jeremiah told the nation of Israel, cursed is the man who puts his trust in man, but blessed is the man who puts his trust in the Lord. That's when I saw what America was doing. They were putting, and I'm talking now about the Christian world, because I don't expect the world to know uh, really right from wrong anymore. The world is so messed up. But the church should. And what they did was, and they're doing it again. They're putting their trust in a man to bring back the economy, protect the borders, keep us out of war, you know, uh, get us uh, you know, out of unemployment, whatever it may be. And this is grieving to the Lord, for Christians to, we, I mean, think about the life of Christ. He's the role model, last time I checked when did when did Jesus ever become political never he never spoke evil or he never condemned Rome or Caesar no he where his condemnation was for was for the church the Sanhedrin the religious leaders who were were living a hypocritical life so so we must get to the point where the answer for America can only be found at the altar when we repent and we place our faith in the finished work of the cross. So Donald Trump is not the solution. And I think what's going to happen in this next election is all of these false prophets are going to start popping up again. And, you know, they were wrong four years ago because they prophesied, thus saith the Lord, Trump was going to win. And he didn't win. Yep and then expose them for who they are, but you know what? The people did not leave those churches. And the same thing that happened with Israel, when the prophets were wrong, they still kept following them. And it's just, it's the deception that's so great. So I would say this about Donald Trump, pray for him, but he's in a, a whole lot of trouble with the law. Uh, I, I, I very much doubt he will become president again, but if he does, it's only going to be more of the same. The chaos we saw in the streets of America. And listen, Joe Biden, and that and and what's going on in that uh, administration, that certainly is not the answer. You don't need a lot of discernment to know that. But we this election had a choice. We didn't have to go down the road of Donald Trump. We had other options. But none of them were chosen. And there's one still standing, Nikki Haley. It doesn't look like she's going to get chosen. So what, what is it? Why is he so popular? Why is he so, people are so infatuated with him? Because he's a, not a politician. He's a businessman and he's made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is about, Kirk. It's about our money. It's about the economy. Yeah, and illusion. it should, as, right? As Christians, it, it should be not make America great again. That's a lie. It should be make America good again. Come back to Jesus. Come back that we worship one God and one God alone, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I think that Donald Trump messed up big time last time through the Abraham Accord, through some of the things that we listed in our book. You know, he 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 made the major mistake of of having a, a national day of prayer at the Rose Garden on may 7 2020 with five different religions he he took a a false prophetess and made her his pastor gave her an office in the white house she decreed and decreed what god was going to do with donald trump none of it came true because she believed that through her words she could create reality and that is a false teaching the only one that can call those things which are not as though they were is god alone He is the creator. I don't create things with my words. And this is what Donald Trump fell for. He had a bunch of dominionists around him that were misleading him. And it's a shame. It's a terrible shame. He would have had Brother Swaggart or maybe Ingram Lotz or some others I could name that would have told him exactly what the word of God says about Israel, about morality loving your enemy as yourself, so many things, it could have been different. But he, he's hes part of the Great Deception, and the people that follow him can't see it as well.
0: Yeah, it's the, uh, <clears throat> the illusion of grandeur he offers. And, you know, the other thing, too, like, I mean, I don't like it just as much as you, Mike, going to the pump and paying the prices we're paying, or going to the grocery store and paying the prices we're paying. Like, I don't like that, you know, just as much as the next guy. But we, we've lost sight of what's important, and that's why everybody wants Trump, because he gives this illusion uh, that he's going to restore order. And he's got everybody convinced that he's going to expose the deep state, the swamp, you know, the, the corrupt global elite, the secret societies, you know. This is I fell into this. This is what I got saved out of. Like, I was part of that. I was following QAnon. I was following all of it. And I thought he was the one that's going to going to do this. He's going to, you know, expose the corruption and that's what his these prophets are saying today is that Trump is going to expose this and all of these people are going to be brought to justice and order is going to be reinstated and you know we're going to go back to having a normal life no inflation you know yada 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 but the problem with that the bible teaches the exact opposite because right. we still have the rapture we still have the tribulation and the great tribulation then and only then at the second coming when jesus christ comes back we'll have the millennial reign and that's when we will have peace and order restored not up before that and everybody has bought it has bought into this and they say well he's the best option he's the good guy you know he's a good guy. He's going to give us our freedoms back, and you know they they completely ignore what Jesus said in Matthew nineteen seventeen. He says, "Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments." You know, and the church today, their excuse about all of this, you know, the stuff Trump did with. Uh, you know, all those false prophets and false teachers in the White House and, and surrounding him. And, you know, just just his whole laundry list of things. The the Christians today, Mike, they overlook that because their excuse is, well, he's not my pastor. He's not a spiritual leader. We're voting for a man to run the country. I want someone strong and that'll stand up and and, you know, fight and do—like— The Bible, God said that he will hold kings and priests accountable just the same. So where's the Christians today going to the Bible and lining it up with Trump's presidency or Trump's election? Because I'll tell you what, all of the Christians are all over the left side and the Democrats and Joe Biden's uh, administration in saying how this isn't scriptural, this isn't scriptural, what he's doing here, this is sin what this but they're not doing it for Trump that you know there's no free pass here. So I think uh, we're in for a bumpy ride man. <laughs> I mean we talk about it all the time, but I don't think things are going to get good, especially because of Israel and and what's going on over there right now and we're starting to see in our own country who's always supported Israel, It's not looking so much that way anymore. We got protests in the street against Israel. And what Trump did with the Abraham Accords, we don't know what what could happen here. But it could get real bad for us real quick.
1: Well, when you look at um, the man, just the man outside of his policies, because I get the, you know, there's some policies that he stands for that are Republican policies there. Of course, he's a Republican candidate. He's going to be pro-life. He's going to be these things. um, You know, uh, the right to bear arms. That's, that's what the Republican party has been known for. And he realizes you're not going to be elected. You're not going to get the support of the Republican party without standing for those things. But, But what you have to look at is you have to look at the character of the man. And, and yes, there's no perfect person, we get that. But, but when you're the President of the United States, you should be a man that your children look up to, that your children want to be like. So let me ask that question today. Is that the model behavior that you want for your children? And if you say it is, uh, then the morality of our country is really in trouble because the, the mocking the way he treats, I mean, they asked him the way he treats others that they asked him the question, what's your favorite verse in the Bible? And he came up with one answer, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And you know what? People laughed. Yeah. They thought it was funny, but let me read to you from the new Testament what Jesus said. He said, you have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whoever shall smite you on the right cheek, turn him to the other also. And if any man will sue you at the law and take away your coat, let him have your cloak also. And whosoever shall compel you to go a mile, go with him too. Give to him who ask of you and from him who would borrow from you, turn not away you have heard it been said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy but i say unto you love your enemies and bless those who curse you and do good to them who hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you now we would say oh if a president did that he'd be weak he'd be all this
0: Mm -hmm.
1: now he'd be blessed right he'd be blessed and and what we have to realize is that the president of the United States does not get a pass with God on his moral stand or his moral character. And when you ask him, what does he think he has done wrong? He can't even name one thing. I mean, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be really healthy for the country to hear President Trump say, Yeah, I, I've had two marriages that have failed. And I was not the husband I should have been. And I, and I want to be that with Milana, Melania, I want to be that with Melania, I want to, you know, I want to make a change. What if he talked from a, hum- a humble standpoint, rather than I haven't done anything wrong. And, and this again, I'm not listen, I'm not going to overly pick at President Trump, I'm more upset with the church that is endorsing and promoting someone that does not stand for the biblical values by which we stand. And they may say in the last election, well, Joe Biden wasn't gonna do that. And I would say, I agree with you. We were, we were caught, we didn't have a choice. We didn't have a choice of election before, Hillary or Donald Trump. But Kirk, we had a choice this time. We had other candidates and candidates that would have been a much better choice morally and character wise and we said no to that we want Donald Trump and the, the nation is is going to pay for this complete complete and total deception of what is right and what is wrong anymore in this country it appalls me and I pray for President Trump I pray I pray for Joe Biden I hope they both get born again and spirit filled and this whole thing well, they're not my pastor I yeah, they may not be your pastor, but in the book of Jeremiah, the kings were the first one God named that were, they were immoral. They were living for self. They were they were just not following God. And then he named the priests, and then he named the governors and then he named the prophets. But if you're a leader in this country, if you're the president, a governor, or a pastor of a church, or you call yourself a prophet, listen, there is a stricter judgment for you. There's a stricter judgment for me as a pastor, and we've got to come back to the Word of God, and we must judge things based on the book, what is right and what is wrong.
0: And the problem, too, like, you know, with how the president acts or or our leaders, the people, especially the Christians, aren't holding them accountable because, well, it's their guy. It's part of their party. And there's there's no accountability.
1: i agree i agree and and you know using uh vulgarity uh mocking people out for their looks giving them mocking names you know you know what we call that in high school a bully yeah and we laugh at it and we think it's funny and we you know what we continue to support it and what what's going to happen is that spirit is going to get in other people and that's how we're going to treat one another and you know what That's exactly what's happening in our public schools, and that's exactly what's happening on the streets. We're raising a generation of bullies.
0: Sure are, and, you know, uh, it's—I think uh, this country is at the point of no return. And, you know, the same way Israel was, you know, we can repent, and I think— all it's going to do is guarantee our souls get into heaven i don't think it's going to stop the judgment that's coming on the united states because like i said we don't we don't know the outcome of the us uh, during the tribulation uh, i mean <laughs> i think we're past the point of no return 65 million babies it sure babies. looks
1: like it it sure looks like it
0: <clears throat> it's a scary thought man like uh, <laughs> and you know we But you know we must keep we
1: must not not grow weary of doing good the bible tells us to do that you know ezekiel jeremiah isaiah they kept preaching the word even after the babylonians came in and invaded israel and took them into captivity in babylon god kept speaking
0: right and he
1: kept speaking through ezekiel and ezekiel kept warning them and there was a restoration that god wanted to do and so even in judgment, even in judgment, God always gives an altar call. But will we take it? Will right. we take it? And most of Israel didn't, and most of Israel perished in that Babylonian siege.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's sad. It's a sad day we live in, and um, uh, I, my personal belief, I think, um, I think what's coming is. Is gonna be hard and I, I think most of it is probably I think the Lord's gonna pull us out of here in the rapture and then you know the the hammer's just gonna fall on on whatever's left here. Because the only thing holding back uh the judgment right now is the gospel. It's our number one export in this country, and I I just once that, that goes away, watch out.
1: Well, you know, there the rapture is a rescue. Yeah. The Bible, the word in the Greek for being caught up has, it's a violent uh, verb and it means to snatch.
0: Harpazo. It
1: means to pull, yeah, harpazo, to pull out right at the last minute of that danger that's about to hit you. You're pulled out, you're caught up, you're snatched away. It's like somebody's standing on a track and a locomotive is coming down the track and at the last minute somebody yanks you out of the way of the locomotive that is the word that god uses for the rapture in first thessalonians 4 13 yep. uh, through 16 and then in first corinthians 15 51 and 52 so there is a rescue in christ and that's our hope that that everyone of listening today kirk everyone that hears this broadcast they won't get offended you know by you know what we say or don't say about a a person like Donald Trump, forget all that. Jesus Christ is coming back. And are you on that train? Are you, uh, is your name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life? Have you repented and put your faith in the blood that he shed to give you eternal life? the Bible is clear. He's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. He said he takes no delight no pleasure in the death of the wicked. So we serve a God of, that is incredible uh, God who loves us. The Bible didn't say he just loves us. He said the Bible says for God so loved uh, the world, so loved the world that he sent his son to die on a cruel cross. So we cannot blame God for any of this. It is all our fault. It's all our sin. But there is a rescue. There's a way out. And it's the cross of calvary you can be raptured right out of right before the great tribulation begins if you if you place your faith in jesus today
0: and that's the message that needs to be going out today man and you know sadly uh, uh from what i see you know in interacting now with this show like most most people don't even believe in a rapture anymore uh, that They say it's, you know, it's not in the Bible because they say the word rapture is not in the Bible, even though you just explained, you know, the word used in Greek is harpazo, and it means, you know, to rapture. Uh, they just, they, they be don't believe up. it. Yeah, they, they don't believe it. They think it's a, a fairy tale. And uh, Adam and I have talked to people, Mike, who think they're called to Uh, be tribulation warriors, and they're going to fight for God during the tribulation. Well, you knock yourself out. Why would anybody, any Christian, want to stay? Where's, like, I don't understand the mentality behind denying a rapture, saying that's the easy way out. Well, yeah, because I don't want to sit under God's wrath. Why would you? It's just crazy. It's just another sign that we're seeing in in the world that people just— that's how so far apostate the church has gotten that the rapture is not even believed anymore.
1: Well, you know, Kirk, in the, in Ephesians two eight nine it says, "For by grace are you saved through, through faith. faith, through faith in in what He did on Calvary's cross." But the word there, "saved," in the Greek is "sozo," s o z o, and it has multiple definitions, and the first definition is that he has saved you from the eternal penalty of your sins that's called hell itself spending eternity in hell it also says that the the that what he did on the cross he saved me from the dominion of the power of sin controlling my life and ruining my life on earth there is deliverance through the cross But also one of the definitions, and we don't give this a lot of uh, enough probably importance, it it says it is a physical, not only spiritual, but a physical deliverance from destruction. And what that, I believe, is referring to is the, the rapture of the church, that he is going to physically deliver his bride from the destruction that's coming from God on the earth called the Great Tribulation. So sozo uh, is saved by faith. And I always say when someone gets saved, you just got sozoed. <laughs> <laughs> you just got sozoed, brother. You have been delivered from hell. You've been delivered from the power of sin's dominion. And you are not going to be here for the great tribulation that Jesus said will be the worst time ever to be on the earth. And you're going to get sozoed right out of that destruction. Hallelujah. Praise God.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's what we got to do, man. We just got to keep on and keeping on and just keep, you know, I, I see you every week, you know, cause I watch your broadcast every, every Sunday and you're hammering it, you know, and <laughs> that's what everybody needs to be doing. Like the judgment coming, you know, the way out the escape and, you know, just, Keep on pushing forward because we're we're swimming through the muck, and you know it's not not easy. And you know, there's another thing I want to um, <clears throat> bring up with you because we've been seeing this a lot recently. You know, it's just another thing in the country that that's got us bamboozled. Uh, what is your take now? And I'm seeing, and this is this is brought up because uh, you know it plays into um, the worship. Uh, Leaders that we were talking about earlier, what is what is your take now on Christians that are covered in tattoos?
1: Well, I mean, it's I mean let us answer it this way and say it's another um, symptom of a bigger problem. Right. Right. It's not the main problem, but it's a symptom. It's a fruit of the problem, and 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 and, and so. We always want to deal with even as parents the fruit of the problem like you know if our if our son is you know uh you know or our daughter you know is sassing us or you know not respecting us there's a deeper problem they don't respect god and that's why they don't respect mom and dad right and so the bible says that the axe lies at the root not the fruit So we keep trying to cut down the fruit of the tree, and it just grows back. And it might look a little different, but it's still, uh, it keeps growing back. we got to get to the root. Tattoos, at least when I was growing up, it was a symbol of rebellion. It was those that had, you know, said, I'm going to do whatever I want to do with my body. Right. The Bible says, and I'm only talking to Christians now. I'm not talking to the world. The world doesn't know this. And I don't expect them really to know it. But the the Christian that's putting a tattoo on their body, have they not read that your body belongs to the Lord? You've been bought with a price. I mean, Romans chapter 12 tells us to present our body as a living and holy sacrifice. And then he says that your body in in, uh, Corinthians chapter three, verse 16, he says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when, when you're putting a tattoo on your body, you're basically putting, um, can, uh, what's the word, uh, graffiti on your temple. Yep. Do you think in the Old Testament somebody could go up to the white stone, uh, beautiful temple in Jerusalem and start spray painting whatever they wanted on that temple? No way. They would have been, been stoned. And then when you look at Leviticus, and again, we always have to go back to the word, right? So when you go to Leviticus 18, and you read what God said, that you are not to mark your body. What? Why doesn't I guess I'm back to a question? Why are Christians not reading that verse and going, Oh, it's wrong for me to put a tattoo on my body now that I'm a believer in, in Jesus? Right. And uh, what part? Yeah, go
0: ahead. I I just wanted to say, like, we want to clarify, too, for you guys listening that, you know, we're not uh, judging or against people or Christians that have tattoos because I have tattoos that I I can't stand. Um, I got them before I was saved. Uh, I cover them. Uh, they're blasphemous. They're offensive. What we're referring to is because uh, we know people, you know, do these things in their past life. They get saved, born again, and you know they're stuck right. with these forever. What we're 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 really talking about are born again believers that think it's okay then to go out and cover themselves head to toe in tattoos just because they're Christian tattoos. This—that's what we're, you know, we're talking about. We're not coming out and saying if you have tattoos and you're a Christian, you're going to hell, or you—you, you, you know, we're judging you. That's—that's that's not the case at all. We're—we're we're addressing the subject that there are a lot of people, born again Christians, that are uh, openly going and getting more ink after salvation. It's insane.
1: Well, well, let me read it to all those that are going to listen to this because in Leviticus 19, verse 28. Which, by the way, underneath in my Bible, the caption underneath or over the top of these verses is pagan practices. Okay, so tattooing your body is a pagan practice. Mm. And it it says in Deuteronomy, uh, I'm in the 19th chapter, verse 28. You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. I am the Lord. And so God did not permit in the Old Testament for them for a Jewish person or anyone that was following Mosaic law to mark their bodies. And this is why when we were kids, when I was kids at least, you know, you were you were taught you don't you don't get a tattoo, you don't and and it really was a symbol of those that did it that were rebellious and they were going to do whatever they wanted so again uh and let me be clear if you're a christian and even after you came to christ if you got a tattoo you're not going to go to hell for having a tattoo on your body you disobeyed god you should repent ask for forgiveness it's a permanent mark but he will forgive you
0: right
1: and and, and we'll move, and you might have a scripture on your arm you justify it see, or you have a cross um it still was wrong what you did. But God will forgive you, you repent of it. And understand, your body is not your own when you become a Christian, it belongs to the Lord. And he calls your body the temple of the Holy Spirit. Why does he call you that? Because the Holy Spirit, not the spirit of the world, the Holy Spirit, it's exactly as advertised, the Spirit of God is holy. And He, the Holy Spirit, is the one who wrote the Bible and said, "Do not mark your body." So why would you want to ignore all that and start marking your Bible? Or ma- ma- I'm marking? I'm marking your Bible. <laughs> marking your body after you come to Jesus. Why would you want to do that? A lot of people, uh, Kirk, do it out of ignorance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And but once you know the truth, and I can tell you there's no hebrew before or after christ i'm in jerusalem i've been there 10 times i there's anyone that's a committed jew to to jehovah god i've never seen a tattoo on a jewish person right never maybe the the secular jews absolutely uh but not to someone who they understand that their body is sacred it belongs to god and so but but again it's a symbol of the of the fruit of the problem and what it's called is rebellion it's called i'm going to do what i want to do and nobody's going to tell me different
0: yeah that it's you're 100% right and and this takes me back to the other point that i mentioned earlier that that they, they want it so bad you know some people say uh, well uh, Jesus died for me. The least I could do is show the world that I love him or support him by getting his cross tattooed on me. Like, they're, it's so embedded in their mind that that's what they want to do, that they use the argument that, well, everything Pastor Mike just said was out of the Old Testament. You know, Jesus uh, fulfilled the law, so that doesn't, count anymore and that is another big problem in the church is that people like to split apart the old and the new testament as long as it justifies their action or their sin they just they separate them and use that as well we're under the new covenant so uh we don't follow law anymore and that's that's law and you must be part of a pentecostal holiness church that you know says you can't do this 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 or this and you know and that's that's the majority of christians today From what I'm seeing.
1: Well, and that's the case that you can make. If if you're going to go down that road, where does it stop? You could say, oh, you know, homosexuality was condemned. Lesbianism was condemned in the Old Testament. But now in the New Testament, I I can be that. I can practice that lifestyle. And, of course, the New Testament teaches against that. And and and, And really, without saying it exactly like Leviticus said it, the new testament also teaches i mean what do you what when i say the word of god says your body is not your own but you're to present it to the lord why then do you think you can go out and mark your body when god said in the old testament not to do that and by the way uh jesus did not have tattoos
0: oh yeah bring i totally forgot about that because we saw it online that somebody was saying uh Jesus is coming back with tattoos on his thighs or something? (laughs) Um, Well, they,
1: they take that from Revelation 19, right, where it says that written on his thighs is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and they were making a case that he has that imprinted on his skin, and it doesn't say that in Revelation. In fact, it, it's clearly talks about he's clothed with a vesture. Yeah, he, he he's coming back with a crown I mean so so it's at the best it's uh, the best stretch that you could make for that would be it's written on what he's wearing but it also could be symbolic as well but it definitely Kirk is not a tattoo on Jesus's skin Jesus fulfilled the law as you said earlier he would never violate his own law, that would make him a sinner. That's blasphemy. Yeah. So to say Jesus has tattoos really is close, if not blasphemy, because you're misrepresenting who God is. He's holy, and he completely follows his own word to the T perfectly.
0: It's just uh, nonsensical to think the extremes that people will go through to, to justify their actions. Like, if you want a tattoo that bad, you're going to say that, well, Jesus is coming back with tattoos, then you need to check your faith. <laughs> it just yeah, blows my they're, mind. Well, they're,
1: they want to bring Jesus down to our level right? so they justify their lifestyle. You know, it's just like the preacher that comes to church, you know, in his ripped jeans and he's got a coffee mug and he's sitting at his little table and he's got a bagel shop out in the lobby. He's trying to make everyone feel comfortable. Yeah. But you know what? When Jesus was here, he made people feel uncomfortable. Amen. And it, because we're sinners and we were in the presence of the Holy One of Israel. And you have, to, you have a choice. You can either repent and get right with God and let him come into your heart. Or you can rebel and walk away. And unfortunately, even with Jesus, most walked away. Yep. They were there, the big crowds were there when he was feeding them or clothing them or doing the miracles. But when he said, Unless you can unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, the Bible says in John six, 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 take note of that connotation.
0: Yeah, six, six, six. In
1: John six, six, they walked away because they thought he was talking about cannibalism right which he wasn't he was talking spiritually the born again miracle that you eat of his flesh and drink of his blood meaning that you are consumed with jesus you let him come into your life and you let him change your life and and that's how one is saved and so we take communion in our churches with the bread and the cup um by the way that's all symbolism but it's a reminder of what he did at Calvary. And that table for the bread and the cup is only meant for the born again believer, not for the religious.
0: Amen. And you know, there's still that one major specific denomination out there that, you know, still thinks that it's his actual blood and his actual body. And it's, <laughs> I mean, we all know yeah. who
1: that is. Yeah. They're putting him back up on the cross and, uh, They wear the cross with the crucifix, you know, him on the cross. He's not on the cross anymore. Right. You know, it's one and done. He he was crucified once and for all. And um, he's now living and seated at the right hand of the Father. And right now he's interceding for this broadcast. Right now he's praying that people that hear what we're talking about would turn their life over to Jesus Christ. And Kirk, I just want to encourage anyone listening. You know if we've offended you or you get angry that is to tell you or to show you where your heart's at right when I when I came to Jesus I heard a lot of things that didn't line up with what I had been led to believe and I didn't I I don't remember getting angry man I just remember going why didn't I know this no one ever told me this and I couldn't I couldn't read my Bible enough because I knew I needed to change my thinking, and my old drinking buddies and and ki- kids I hung out with because I got saved on my twentieth birthday they they all abandoned me and they said you're you're being brainwashed by that Jesus stuff. And I said, You know what? my brain was so messed up it, it needs to be washed right washed of all the immorality, all of the all the selfishness that was in my life and that's what Jesus will do for anyone today that will make him Lord. You know, you don't have to agree with me. You don't have to agree with Kirk, but please agree with the Bible. And don't put your trust in man. He will fail you. He will let you down every time and put your trust in the Lord. And he will change you from the inside out. He will deliver you whatever that addiction, if it's the same sex attraction or it's drugs or alcohol, or anger, or a, just, just a bad, hopeless, depressed attitude, He will deliver you. And you know why I, I can say that? Outside of a same sex attraction, because I never had that, thank God, but I had other attractions that were evil, but He delivered me from it all. The, the, the Holy Spirit working through the cross delivered me all from all of those bondages. And He'll do, Kirk, He'll do the same for anyone today that
0: will pray with us amen amen i think that's uh that's a good place to uh start wrapping it up here and you know folks listening if if you are convicted or you're you're angry or upset that something we said or your pastor is saying some of the similar things you don't want to leave that church that's where you want to stay because that pastor or that person speaking is is bringing out the conviction of the Holy Spirit, letting you know that there's something you need to change. And he's putting his finger on it. And you know, that's where we all need to be. And you know, don't take my word for it. Don't take Pastor Mike's word for it. Go to the Bible yourself and back up everything we're saying. You know, uh, the time is getting real short, guys. Like w- we just spent an hour and, and 25 minutes talking about things that we're seeing in the world and, you know, time's getting short and the world is crumbling, and there's hope for you in Jesus Christ. And this whole podcast, you know, I'm going to bring, um, you know, I know I do a lot of testimonies on this show, but uh, I wanted to really get this message out there because it's crucial, you know, and being that it's an election year, we're going to see some, some crazy things. But Pastor Mike is going to come back on at some point and he's going to go over his testimony. And his call into the ministry, and then uh, how the Lord revealed the message of the cross to him. And, you know, that's going to be another episode. And, you know, this is just the start of uh, some ministry work that uh, him and I have been starting. So tonight... Anybody listening, if if what was spoken about here today, if it moved on your heart, if if you don't know the Lord at all tonight or if you, you walked away at some point and you want to come back and, you know, you're just at your wit's end and you want to accept Christ in your heart, me and Pastor Mike are going to pray the sinner's prayer here tonight. And it's not saying this prayer isn't going to save you. It's It's if you believe it in your heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross for, for you and for me, and then God raised him three days later, he will come into your heart and he will save you and he will deliver you and he will change and transform your life at the snap of a finger. I have a whole show of people that can give testimony of what he's done in their life. And you can be one of those people too. So I'm going to lead us in a sinner's prayer here tonight. And Pastor Mike's going to repeat after me. And you guys just follow along with us And trust in your heart that this prayer will save you. Dear God in heaven.
1: Dear God in heaven.
0: I come to you in the name of Jesus.
1: I come to you in the name of Jesus.
0: I'm sorry for my sins.
1: I'm sorry for my sins.
0: The way I've lived.
1: The way I've lived.
0: And the things I've done.
1: And the things I've done.
0: Please forgive me.
1: Please forgive me.
0: And cleanse me.
1: And cleanse me.
0: With your precious blood.
1: With your precious blood.
0: From all unrighteousness.
1: From all unrighteousness.
0: With my mouth, I confess.
1: With my mouth, I confess.
0: The name of the Lord Jesus.
1: The name of the Lord Jesus.
0: In my heart. In my heart I believe I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead that God raised Jesus
1: from the dead
0: and he is alive
1: and he is alive
0: right now this very moment
1: right now this very moment
0: I accept Jesus Christ as the Savior of my soul
1: I accept Jesus Christ as the Savior of my soul.
0: And I make him the Lord of my life.
1: And I make him the Lord of my life.
0: And according to your holy word.
1: And according to your holy word.
0: Which cannot lie.
1: Which cannot lie.
0: I believe that I am washed.
1: I believe that I am washed.
0: That I am cleansed.
1: That I am cleansed.
0: That I am forgiven.
1: That I am forgiven.
0: That I am saved.
1: That I am saved.
0: Amen and amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise
1: God. And hey guys, listen,
0: and if you prayed with Pastor Mike and I tonight, and you want to share your testimony or your born-again experience or how this show has touched you or anything at all, reach out to me at Podcast at proton.me. That's Podcast at proton.me. Or go to my socials. You can find me on there. Just get in touch with me. Let's let the world know what God is still doing to this day. Pastor Mike, man, I thank you for coming on and spending the time with me tonight. You know, it's just one of many. And, you know, we got a lot of work to do, brother.
1: Well, we do, Kirk. It was such an honor to be with you, Time Flew. And uh, I love what you're doing, brother. Keep it up and may the Lord anoint you. And may many, many people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and be ready when that trumpet sounds and that we would go in the rapture.
0: Amen, brother. Amen and amen. And hey, brother, we love you. God bless you. I'm sure I'll be talking to you again at some another some point tonight. You know, it's just that's the way it goes. <laughs> <laughs> you take care, brother. We love you. God bless you. All right, brother. Love you. God bless.